Welcome in, everybody. We are live in Athens, Georgia. Former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnecchia is joining us from back in Columbia. We also have intern Joe holding down the phone lines right now. So if you want to give a call into the program, do that right now as we react to South Carolina falling today to number one Georgia. Look, the Gamecocks had their opportunities today. They, they had their opportunities, unfortunately, in the second half. They looked like a completely, completely different team, and they just weren't able to to figure things out offensively. I think, Mike, they had 180 yards in the first half, and I think until maybe, I don't know, midway through the fourth quarter, they only had about 30, 40 yards of offense until the end. Some of those, you know, last two drives, they were able to pad the stats a little bit. Just your initial thoughts, though, on South Carolina losing tonight. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your statement initially, saying that in the first half, we looked fantastic. Spencer was playing out of his mind, arguably looked like you know, the Spencer we all expect to be one of the best in Heisman contenders as a QB in the, in the crunchy. The second thing is our receivers looked great. Our, that first couple drives, we were moving the ball, and we were doing a lot of variation on run stunts, where we were or run plays, where we weren't really actually utilizing our running backs, but we were doing swing routes. We were doing RPOs, and we were getting a lot of our receivers involved. Because let's admit it, our run game is not where it needs to be for us to win a lot of games, but we can utilize other aspects of our offense, and I think that's what we did. Coming out in the second half, run defense fell flat. We were giving the QB time. I think one thing we did early on was we put a lot of pressure on Carson Beck to have to come back against us. We got him flustered in the pocket. We were getting pressure on him, and he was while he wasn't making mistakes, he wasn't really playing a great game that was going to you know, affect us and, and hurt us a lot. The second half, I don't know what happened. I need, and you know, we'll we'll discuss it further. But we've got to figure some things out. We have to be a four quarter team. We can't just be a one half team and expect to win these big games. Yeah, and, and that was the challenging part with this team. Like you knew going in here, you had to play perfect football. You knew you had to protect the football. Obvious, tor obviously, towards the end, Rattler has two interceptions, and some of that has to do with just at that point, you don't have a choice. But yeah. they weren't able to force any turnovers. The only thing that you can equate to forcing turnovers today were the stops on the two missed field goals when Georgia got down inside the red zone or right outside, and they missed two field goals. That's the only thing you can equate to that. And unfortunately, even with both of those, the Gamecocks weren't able to gain that momentum that they needed to be able to pull off of that. Intern Joe is joining us. What you got, Joe? Yeah, we got Colin on the line. Colin, go ahead. did a very good job today. Um, they should have played all four quarters, which we failed to do. Uh, but I think seeing the fight in our young team that stood up very well against the number one Georgia team, who is back-to-back defending national champions, I think that um, over time our team will continue to grow and will continue to um, just get better as um, the games in the next few seasons go on. And I think that we have a very good team uh, that is going to rise up. Um, and it, it may take some time, but I think that showing that we can keep up a little bit with Georgia um, definitely showed a lot in how much it's grown since we played North Carolina. Um, I think the O-line did a very good job uh, for the most part. Uh, the run game could have been better. And finally, um, finding a really good running back would be great uh, recruiting-wise. Um, but I think that Seeing the fight in our young team definitely so we have what it takes to compete for the SEC. Um, and uh, we just 
We have to continue to trust Beamer. Um, look forward to watching the more sellers um, uh, come up and uh, be the hopeful starting QB next year. And uh, we just got to keep reading for our Gamecocks and just uh, hope that they stay strong. Appreciate you calling in, Mark. Want to toss things back over to, to Scar real quick. Scar, I know we'll have time to do kind of – I know we're not going to really do any type of moral victory, right? Yeah. I mean, but in comparison to where this team was a year ago and how far South Carolina away, was away from them, I mean, look, is this the Georgia of old? Is this the Georgia team that will go on and win the conference? We'll see. I mean, it's so premature. I mean, this is their first Power 5 test of the season, um, and they looked like that in the first half. But – just your initial thoughts in terms of what you saw from a good standpoint from South Carolina, especially in that first half. Well, I mean, several things we saw I thought that were really good in the first half. I'll start first half. I thought Spencer looked fantastic. And I, every, all the fans know this. But Spencer is playing out of his mind, Heisman caliber QBing right now. And our receivers looked great. You know, losing Juice Wells was such a detriment, I think, to the long-term aspect of our offense succeeding against Georgia. But it, what happened, happened. But overall, I think we were moving the ball well. We were getting it out. We were stretching Georgia's defense. And we were playing – we weren't playing into Georgia's hand in the first half. Georgia runs a lot of this, at least when I was playing them. And I saw a couple times today where they run this two-man. And it's really, really hard to beat and throw that throw against that kind of defense. And we were finding ways to throw against it. And, I, I mean, Duggins did an amazing job scheming up, trying to get our offense to go and to play well against that defense. We just – what can you do if you don't have a run game? But – Positives wise, our offensive line looked a lot better. I think Duggins did a great job utilizing our running backs and our tight ends to help with um, with protection. And I think you saw that several times with tight ends chip blocking before they got out into um, out into their route. And it helped. It gave Spencer another second or two, which was huge. And I think all of us saw it early on too. We were getting pressure on Carson Beck with the with the blitz packages that we had planned for him. The next thing is. Our run defense just needs to improve, you know, against when we face good coach teams who can run the ball and they have good running backs, we have to be able to stop the run game and put pressure on the QBs because I think we have really good DBs who can either force turnovers or create a really hard environment for a QB to throw against. And when they can just run at free will, it's really hard. It puts pressure on our DBs because now they have to play a little more conservative when it's playing that man on man, or maybe the defensive coordinator has to change what kind of coverages he does or blitz packages. So we got to figure things out. But overall, I think there were a lot of promises that I think going into the rest of SEC play, we can carry our head forward and be excited about and think, okay, we have a good chance in a lot of these games, especially with our offensive line play compared to two weeks ago. Intern Joe, what do you have for us? Turn your mic on, Joe. Oh, sorry. We got Alex from Brazil. Alex, go ahead. Joe, we can't hear him. Think, you know, I think we're gonna. It's a good side. I think we win more games, but. Ooh, All right, appreciate 
Appreciate you calling into the program. Mike, a couple comments and kind of going off from just what he was saying, but some other comments I'm seeing here. Offensively in the first half, South Carolina goes down right down the field, right? You saw Luke Doty out there at wide receiver. First career start for Doty. Doty, I, I don't recall really seeing him much at wide receiver after that. If he was in there a couple times, I may have missed it, or it just wasn't as noticeable in comparison to that first drive. Yeah. Juice Wells, of course, goes down. What did you like, though, that they were able to do with that first drive that maybe, for whatever reason, and I know people aren't going to want to hear it, but give Kirby Smart, give Will Muschamp credit for the adjustments they made in the second half. And there's one thing in particular I want to talk about the defensive line, which they did last year, too. Um, but it looks like we have a caller right now, and then we'll get to those thoughts for yeah, you, Mike. Yeah. We got one caller. We got Pat Green on the line. Pat, go ahead. Pat, you're on. You're on, Pat. What you got for us? Appreciate that. Uh, Mike, just picking up on what we were talking about, any thoughts you have from that last caller? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I got to disagree with the offensive line play. I thought they gave Spencer adequate time almost the entire game to get the ball out. Now, what you're not seeing is, especially unless you're at the game and you're analyzing what's happening, a lot of the, the plays that they were calling, for some reason, I don't know why, we we weren't under pressure to do what we had, what we were doing in the second half. We were doing a, long, a, lot, a lot of long developing routes. And so when you have those long developing routes, it's going to take time. But if we're doing what we did in the first half with me, uh, medium si or medium routes and then short routes, and we were getting the ball out of Spencer's hands, and we weren't doing these long developing plays, it was it was working. We were getting the ball out. Now, obviously, Georgia made adjustments, and so now we have to make adjustments. Like when we were doing the swing routes, they were adjusting well to get to the ball better and stop us doing those RPO-style swing routes. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think the offensive line played really well. You know, there were some false starts. And, yes, when you set yourself back on a second and 15 or a first and 15, it creates, especially against a Georgia defense, it creates a really hard time. Georgia does that shifting where I think we saw it several times. And, it, you know, it's part of the game and it is what it is. You can't false start when somebody jumps into a shift and they yell out shift. Our offensive line did it several times, and I agree. That's something that we cannot put ourselves in those kind of situations where we're set back far because it just creates a hard – that drive now becomes even harder to get a first down mm -hmm. and you give the, you give Georgia potentially another chance. So we got to be smarter and we got to be more disciplined when it comes to that. But overall, I think we gave Spencer time. I don't think he was running for his life all the time. I don't think people were downfield or I don't think people were, a lot of times were getting open downfield. And so he's not just going to sit in the pocket. And so that's why you saw him moving because they were trying to do things where receivers maybe can get open on um, scramble drill. Uh, Mike, one thing I mentioned to our colleague Colin Taylor, we, we mentioned this last year when we talked about the Georgia game. Heading into this, I said, look, last year, Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart, pre-snap, a lot of shifting on that defensive line pre like uh, mid-cadence and just trying to cause some confusion, whether it be you know trying to get them to jump early, which it happened a couple of times. Actually, it happened a couple of times on one drive. There was also some times where it screwed up the blocking assignments. 
Can you just talk to the impact that can have on a front, the quarterback as well, when all that pre-snap alignment's happening and George is hopping around and maybe some of the confusion that it created today? Yeah, so a lot of times, you know, especially in pass protection, Spencer is sending the offensive line, or at least three of his offense, the strong side, to one side, thinking where the the more the guys are going to be, where the blitz may be. And when they're shifting now to a five-man front and there's new – you know, new potential for blitz packages, it creates just a difficult read on what's going to happen post-snap. And so it's hard to adjust. You know, they planned for it all week on what the game plan for how Georgia's going to do this. They knew Georgia coming in was going to do these stunts where they or these shifts right before the snap. But it still creates hard time because when you're calling run plays against a four-down front thinking, okay, they're not going to shift. And, you know, you have to adjust mid-game seconds before the snap's even about to happen. But it does create a difficulty for the offense line and the offensive coordinator to call um, call his plays because you're calling against a certain front and when they're shifting it kind of changes it you know it completely changes sometimes what run you're gonna how successful the run's gonna be and you're yep. gonna you would call a completely different run but now you can't because Spencer has to snap it in the next second. Mm-hmm. And look, bottom line is this: South Carolina, for the most part, they were able to handle that in the first half for whatever reason they weren't in the second half. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they started blitzing more. I think one of our commenters meant it, mentioned maybe in the first half, maybe Georgia was a little arrogant in the sense of not sending as many guys because they figured, all right, this South Carolina offensive line that struggled week one, week mm-hmm. two they played Furman, and some people just probably didn't feel like they had to send too many people, and that's why they changed it up a little bit in the second half. What you got, Joe? Yeah, I got something just on the pass rush. I mean, I think – Georgia certainly brought the heat in the second half when they realized the right side of the Carolina offensive line couldn't necessarily handle it. But, I mean, they were beating the offensive line with three-man rushes. I mean, it was stunts. I mean, had guys coming from one side to the other. But it was getting packed in three- and four-man rush. It wasn't always a blitz when he got brought down. So, offensive line-wise, you got to get better, especially that right side. I was very impressed with the left side of and Nick Gargiulo worked well together today. I thought, got to give them their flowers. Gargiulo, that one false start, but, I mean, that happened. Sanford Stadium is a tough environment, so uh, that happens. But, I mean, again, right side of the offensive line, got to be better. You got to run the football better, too. Um, when half of your offensive line isn't, you know, working as well as the other one, it makes the football hell on earth. So, um, you know, obviously I think we saw that today from South Carolina. Inability to run the football. Spencer looked great, I thought. Um, you know, really, really solid game from him. The two picks at the end of the game, you're throwing the ball all over the place. It's, yeah. you, know, you know, it's 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 backyard football at that point. So can't really end those on him either. So it, it's just – it's tough, tough game for South Carolina because, you know, in the second you said, though, Yeah. What you just said, though, with the running backs, and I want to ask Mike what he thinks about it because there's two things that were going through my head today. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that follow Gamecock Central or just follow Gamecock Twitter in general, you may have seen it. Former Gamecock running back Mike Davis, he tweeted out that he really liked the way that 24 ran, and that was Mario Anderson. And Mario did some good things. And unless he got some touches towards the end, I'm walking down the stands from the bleachers, uh, from the press box, no. excuse me. So unless something changed, he only, had two, he only had two carries. So I bring that up, though, Mike. And it's not to justify why he wasn't out there more. But I try to make sense of it. And we saw it in the first half. One of the reasons why DK's probably out there more than Mario and some of these other running backs, where was Juju Juju today, is because, and you saw it in the first half, DK was phenomenal when it came to pass blocking. Now, I'll have to go back and watch more of the film in the second half to let you know how I think he did in the second half. 
But first half, he was a phenomenal pass blocker, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's out there. Having said all that, at some point, you have to change things up, right? And that's no disrespect to DK. It's just being able to throw a different flavor out there, and I thought Mario gave you that, especially on that huge third and one run in the first quarter that led to a touchdown. Yeah, I completely agree. I know when I went to a, um, a scrimmage in the fall camp, I was like, man, who is number 24? And when I looked <laughs> it up, I was like, oh, that's Mario. And I was like, he looks good. Like, you know, he does, I don't think he has this great breakaway speed, but when it comes to finding the holes, seeing the gaps and making a move and going and even taking on a hit, he does well. I think he's a person that we need to get more reps to. And I've, I've been saying this now since the North Carolina game. Why is he not out there getting more reps? He seems like a good running back. Obviously, I don't know. We don't have all the details on why the, what the coaches are seeing behind closed doors. There may be reasons. Maybe he doesn't know the offense. Maybe he doesn't know the play calls. Maybe it's just more of an issue putting him out there than it is what he what kind of benefit he brings to our offense. But let's do it. Put him out there. We need something on offense because we don't rush the ball well. Joe, is there a caller there? Because I got some uh, some news that yeah. I want to share with you guys. Let's take the call and then I'll get to the I'll, I'll get to the breaking news. Yep. All right. Cool. Alex, go ahead. Alex, yep. hold it closer, Joe. Appreciate that. And, Mike, we'll get to your thoughts on that in a minute. Here's the breaking news and update from Shane Beamer on Juice Wells. This is just coming moments ago. Colin Taylor in there for us. And he said, Gamecock receiver Juice Wells will see a specialist on Tuesday. And we'll have a prognosis, uh, prognosis after that. They don't believe, this is the important part, they don't believe it will be a season ender for Wells. And he'll be able to potentially return later this season. Well, scored a touchdown, of course, on the Gamecocks opening drive, but left the game right after that, having been carted off the field and not putting any weight on that left foot. So, Mike, I want to get into what the caller said. But again, with that being obviously a big story today, just your initial thoughts on, on what you're hearing about Juice Wells. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a big hit to our offense. Juice Wells, everyone knows how skilled of a receiver he was and kind of a valuable asset he is for our offense and play calling. When you have how Xavier Leggett's playing and then you have a weapon like um, Juice Wells on the other side, it's a nightmare for defenses. I don't know how you can game plan for that. And I think everyone saw that in the first on the first drive. Georgia had no answer. Their DBs are playing lockdown coverage. But when you have just pure athletes who are really, really good receivers, there's no answer for them. And when you have two of them, it's even harder on defenses. And I think we, if we would still have had those guys, I'm not going to say it would have 
won us the game. But it would have definitely created a new dynamic for our offense. But that's that's tough. Going into the rest of SEC play against, I really think a lot of the teams we're seeing, the A&M, Kentucky, Florida, all, the, all these other teams, a lot of them are going to be toss-up games. I don't think we're outmatched on on in many of these games. And so without Wells, you know, our, our coaches are going to have to get more creative with their play calling because he's a very skilled receiver that we potentially aren't going to have for a couple of weeks. Joe, what you got? Got Landon on the line. Landon, go ahead. Yeah, honestly, I was really excited by the I think uh, we have a lot to look forward to with the upcoming class, uh, 2024, especially with the uh, Great Wall of Carolina and everything. Uh, I think we have uh, a lot to need as far as the running back room and stuff like that. But I was really pleased with the way we played, the way we competed and everything. Overall, uh, I thought it was a great game. We didn't come out with the win that we needed, but but that's all right. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so, Mike, look. Going back to what we were talking about before with the running back situation, um, Mario, Mario, based on what he said earlier in the week, he said from a mental standpoint, he is getting better at that, which that should be expected, right? I mean, he comes in from Division Two. It's going to yeah. take some time to transition, especially at that position. And I know some people are going to be like, well, we've had true freshmen come on. We've had uh, Division Two defensive backs sometimes come on. We've and you know this, the closer you are to the ball, sometimes it's tougher to see the field a little bit quicker. So I think being able to see him out there today, it was good. And hopefully we'll see him a little bit more moving forward. Obviously next week, and it goes without saying, it is a massive game. Mississippi yeah. State coming off a huge loss to LSU today. They're going to be uh, pretty ticked off coming into williams Bryce next week. You know, Elshon Jeffrey is going to be back in the house. Place should be electric. Um Hopefully, Mario will see more. Now, I do want to say this, though, about Juice. I put this in my pregame report. Juice coming off the bus, he looked as locked in as I've seen him in quite some time. To the point, we're just behind me. When he was warming up in pregame, I'm just, you know, tweeting on the message board, all that kind of stuff, videotaping players warming up. And he came over, dapped me up, and then said, Mike, he's like, I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good. And we saw that on that first drive of the game. When yeah. he caught that, that was the juice of old. Now, here's the frustrating part. Here's the part where I think some fans, some, not all, have a tough time wrapping their head around everything. Well, is he healthy or he isn't? I think it's clear, based on what Shane Beamer has said over the last couple of weeks, the fact that we really haven't seen juice wells, that clearly he's not 100%. However, yeah. it's become one of those things where how much pain can you deal with, Right. And I'm not saying that was the main reason, and that's why I got re-injured today. And again, I want to—I think it'd be premature to make any of those assumptions. But he was good enough to move around out here. He was moving around fine. Again, in warm-ups, he looked absolutely like the juice of old. We saw that on that touchdown reception. Um, does that does that surprise you at all, though? I mean, am I pretty spot on with that? That yeah, you know, at the end of the day, with an injury like that. It's more so just dealing with the pain tolerance. And things can happen. It's football. Yeah, 100%. The amount of our players who are probably injured right now but still tough through, it's every team, it's every year, it's all levels. It's just how much injury, how much pain you can tolerate. And obviously what he's dealing with is more than he can tolerate. And he tried toughening it out. I think it goes to show he 100% was probably not supposed to play or probably shouldn't have played today. But he wanted to be a part of this team 
to take down Georgia. You know, he did everything probably in his will during this previous these past two weeks to get prepared physically for this game and be ready to go the entire game. Sadly, that wasn't the case, but it goes to show the mentality he has to be a part of this team and win against the and play against those big teams so he can help in any way. And I think that's just the mindset of most of this team that Beamer's creating. But it's tough when you have that. Most of these guys are dealing with injury. And, you know, you, if you're thinking long term and you knew he wasn't hurt or you knew he wasn't 100 percent to the point where it wasn't smart to put him out there, maybe it's maybe as a coach you say, listen, man, as much as we want you out there, we'd rather have you for a lot more games than just this one. But I can't speak. I don't want to speculate and say that was the case because something may have tweaked without ever – and he may have been completely fine this past week, but – it's tough losing him, and I really hope it's a speedy recovery because we need him. I don't want to say we need him, but he's a super valuable asset. I do think we – yeah, we need him because he's a valuable asset. Carolina Titan brings this up, and I don't fully agree. I think there's some positions that, you know, I, I would agree with you, Carolina Titan, but Carolina Titan says these coaches value experience over talent. If we're trying to win, we need to put the best players on the field, not the best practice players. I think South Carolina, at least in the first three weeks – We've seen some of those younger guys go out there. We've seen Aluatos and Babalade on the offensive line. We've seen there he's a true freshman. We've seen another true freshman, Javon Bond, the offensive line. We've seen Jalen Kilgore get plenty of opportunities through the first two, now three games, because obviously Nicky Minwari went down early in game one. There's been freshmen that have had opportunities. Not every freshman is going to see the field right away. You know, and that will probably bring us down a rabbit hole with some saying, you know, why wasn't Nicholas Harbor out here? Why wasn't this? Why wasn't that? Bottom line is this, South Carolina, they played an awesome half of football. They just did not play a full 60-minute game, okay? They didn't yeah. play a full 60-minute game. I'm not going to say that the players out there today from a personnel decision-making from the coaching staff, it was ideal because, again, we could talk about the running back situation. We could probably talk about some wide receiver, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, too, at the same time, too, they were up 14-3 to against the number one team in the country in the first half. So I, I think some of these players, especially in the first drive, and I think I put a tweet out about it. You had an Ivy transfer, right, on the offensive line. He had a pancake block, massive block. A couple plays later, you had a Division II kid get a massive run to pick up a first down on third and one that led to the touchdown, which, oh, by the way, he had an FCS receiver catch. So they have obviously guys that are coming in here from different levels. It's just trying to figure out what that right combination is. And obviously what stinks, especially with the offensive line, your starting left tackle went down in the spring game. Your starting right tackle went down in the first couple plays of the game against North Carolina. So this unit as a whole, people are going to be like, why weren't they doing this back in the spring? Why weren't they doing this in the summer? You can only do so much, and it is truly, yes, next man up, but it's so much easier said than done. That's not an excuse. That's just the reality of where this team's at right now. Yeah. I can't yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mike. Oh, no, there's no, no you're good. No, no caller. No, go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, I was just going to follow up with you. Yeah, 100% with what you were saying. Like, when people go down also, as a side note, new people are going to have to step up. And I, th- I saw one comment said Omega Blake stepped up big time. He and did. I think that's, that's I mean, yeah. huge, huge. That's a really – I'm glad you brought that up because Omega Blake was a massive, valuable asset to this team. He was winning on routes. He was making important catches. And, you know, I think that's important because when we saw Wells go down, we're like, okay, we just lost a super valuable guy. How are we going to make this up? And Blake stepped up big time. I think – He's going to be huge for us going forward. If he continues to play the way he played tonight, I think Spencer's going to be happy with having what he, uh, the receivers he has out. I mean, he led the, the team. 
Yeah, led the team in receiving. Omega Blake did. Um, so I, I agree. I loved that comment as well. That's why I put it up there. Uh, so, yeah, game from Omega Blake. Xavier Leggett was money as well. Um, you know, I I kind of – I didn't think Juice Wells would as much production, if you will, because he was going to draw the best corner from every team. I, I knew it was going to be somebody um, in that second slot in the depth chart maybe stepping up. So um, props to Xavier Leggett. Props to Omega Blake as well. Yeah. Well, we, we heard so much about Omega Blake going back to SEC media days. Spencer yeah. Rattler, that was one receiver that he specifically mentioned. He's like, look, guys, I, I, we could talk about Juice. Xavier Leggett, maybe he flew under the radar for most people outside of Columbia. If you were paying attention going back to spring, knowing that he was training with Debo Samuel and training with some of these guys and that he was getting bigger. I mean, he looks a hell of a lot bigger than he did a year ago and certainly yeah. from you know two years ago. But Omega Blake was that guy that Rattler said, hey, look, like we're developing some good chemistry. We're developing good chemistry. The unfortunate part of it all, and again, it's not an excuse. It's just talking about where they were at because every team deals with injuries across the country. The number one receiver, you were hoping that he was going to be able to go today. And I'm assuming, and Mike, you know this, if he's coming off the bus, one of the first guys to come off the bus, probably ha- he probably knows he has a big role with the, in, the, uh, in the game plan that day. And oh, as yeah. we saw in that first drive of the game, I think he had two catches for like 32 yards or something in that score. South Carolina probably said, hey, look, we're going to use Juice a lot today. Now, I'm sure they have a backup plan because you need some type of backup plan, especially for a player like that who has been banged up the last couple of weeks. But that threw a big wrench into their uh, into their mix. I thought they responded decently after that, especially in the first half. But – um, unfortunately, they weren't able to overcome it in the end. And guys like Omega Blake stepped up, but you need you, you need more guys that will step up. You need more guys that will step in. Like you said, Mike, it's easy to just say the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line. No one is saying yeah. they were perfect today. No one was saying that they had a phenomenal second half by any means. They had some issues in the second half. However, you also got to look at the wide receivers. Are guys getting open? Are guys yeah. getting open? And it's tough sometimes to see on the TV screen. I know watching from the press box, some of those guys, it's like, man, they got to create separation. Like someone has to be that guy. Yeah. They did it at times. It just wasn't consistent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, you got Travis got- on the line. Travis, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Mike, how y'all doing? What's going on, Travis? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, we got you. Um, my thing is this. My my thing is this. Uh, Mike Scarnecchio, if you go back to the history of South Carolina when we were at our highest of highs, one thing we did is we committed to the run. And in this game, we did not commit to the run at all. I don't know why, but we are not committing to the game, to, to, to the run game. And the game of football, as I mentioned on the chat, is all about breaking the will of your opponent. I don't care if you're a detour. If you're not breaking my will, I still believe I have a chance. Going back to 2009, I want to see that South Carolina has less than seven losses when we have ran the ball for 35 against the game. And the fact that Beamer comes out here every week talking about how we want to be physical, and, 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 and all of that coach speak, despite all of that, he has not committed to the run game. And until he does, 
we will always end up in games that we could have won, like this game right there, because Georgia did not play better than us. They just ran the ball better than us, and they committed to breaking us better than we committed to breaking them. Yeah. I just want to hear y'all feedback on that. I love the show. Thank you guys for everything that you do. Appreciate you, Travis. Well, Travis, appreciate you calling in. Um, you've been a loyal listener for a while now, so we appreciate you calling in. Mike, just your initial thoughts on what Travis had to say. I'll give you the yeah. floor first. I actually agree with him. You know, committing to the run runs a huge aspect to a lot of these games. You saw what Georgia did. I mean, look what Carson Beck was able to do. He was able to put up 270 yards, but they also rushed almost 200 yards against us. The run just yeah. bounces out the pass game. Every good offensive quarter, everybody who understands football knows if you're able to run the ball, it's usually able to bounce out the entirety of the game, especially the pass game. Another thing I want to point out to him, though, is, yes, we committed to the run game. We had really good running backs, and we had a good offensive line. But also in those same years when we are at the highest of our highs in the, you know, the 2010s to 2013, we also had one of the, some of the best de- defensive line players in the country. Almost all of them are in the NFL or went to the NFL. And so we're also – what I'm saying is we were able, like he was saying about imposing our will – most teams couldn't run the ball against us. We didn't have to blitz. We had four guys who could get to the QB. We can. We need to continue to develop our D linemen and bring guys in who can, and by themselves without help, can stop the, stop the run and also get to the QB. I think those are two important things that, like, he's right. And when and he's also right about the run block or um, when you're imposing will when you're talking about from the offensive side. You know, our offensive line coaches would always yell at our offensive linemen saying, "Impose your will, break their will." You know, because when you break another man's will, especially when you're talking about O-line, D-line, you can see them give up. And then the game's over. Once the once someone's front, front four, front five give up, you can almost guarantee who's going to win. And I think we don't do that enough, but we also don't have a run game where I think we can impose our will. Well, let's go right there. Let's go from that, okay? Because there's two things I do want to get into more. And we'll get into running backs first, yeah. and then I do want to talk about the defense because – what they did in the second half, I felt like, you know, we talk about third down being the money down. They weren't able to get off the field in a lot of situations. There were times where I, I didn't know what the heck Mike Bobo was doing, um, throwing. I mean, there was double passes when they were having success running the football, and he's out there trying to do I had no idea what was going on at first. But anyway, with the run game, Mike, the offensive line, we know that it's a work in progress. Okay? That's not yeah. an excuse. That's just where it is right now. And they're hopefully going to be able to figure it out to a point where next week you have a better idea of who that starting five is. You should by then at least. Having said all that, based on where the offensive line is tonight, where we are three games in, based on what you have seen, how do you give that running back room a spark? Is it Mario Anderson? Is it, and I know some fans get sick and tired of it, but – the short passes, right? The screens, the swing, because we all, we all know that that's an extension of the run game. And that's why South Carolina did a lot of that, it felt like, against North Carolina. And clearly, yeah. as the game went on, we saw why, because they don't have any blocking up front. But what do you do to try to find a way to give that running back room some type of life? Because certainly, we talked about it earlier in the week on GC Live, Rattler could play out of his mind. He did that on the first half. He did that. But if you're asking him to throw 40-plus times and you're not able to incorporate some type of run game, Georgia's front seven, they're going to be teeing off on you all day because they know that it's going to be pass, 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 pass. And that's exactly what happened in the second half. Yeah, uh, you know, and I agree. I mean, so, so 
the ways, just thinking off the top of my head, the ways they probably can incorporate a better run game is a couple things is we have some athletic QBs. And so we have some backups like we have Doty. We have to carry on who's a running back now, but can also was a QB. We can start doing things where maybe we do a triple option from the um, from the shotgun. We need to find creative ways right now to get our run game to be effective. And also, maybe we do put Mario Anderson in there. You know, who knows? Our offensive line is blocking the way they're blocking, but maybe a really good running back or maybe a running back who is able to see the holes quicker will find more ways to get more yards. It's all speculation at this point, but I think we need to get creative because if we're not going to have just a dominant performance up front to create these massive holes for our running backs, we need to be creative and maybe go triple option, put Mario Anderson in there. I'm, you know, I'm repeating myself, but these are just some of the ways I think that we can find ourselves to get yards on offense when it comes to running the ball. Cause we have to, I know I reiterate myself. I feel like I repeat myself on this all, all the time. And I think we do talk about this a lot, but we need to be able to find a way to run the ball or it's going to be a long season. Gamecocks again, they will be back in action to take on Mississippi state next week. Elshon <laughs> Jeffrey will be having his, Jersey retired. That will be certainly something that will give Gamecock fans that added spark to come on out. And look, on paper, at least for now, Georgia is the number one team in the country. How things go from here for them, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Certainly at times, especially in the first half, they didn't look like a number one team. But I do think, and I'm not here for, you know, hey, moral victories, but you can see improvement from this Gamecock team in comparison to where they were two weeks ago. Now, there's certainly, with what we saw in the second half, there's a lot of things that they can clean up um, because they were just, they were dominated in the second half. There's no other way to put it. Offense, defense, coaching, special teams, whatever the case may be. Second half, they just didn't show up. They didn't show up. Yeah. Joe, what you got? I did chime in with one thing, too. I was very impressed with TJ Sanders in this game. I think that was the most we've seen out of any interior defensive line. South Carolina yet this year. I know Boogie and Tonka both played well in the last couple of weeks. Tonka also had a pretty good game himself, but TJ Sanders, um, happy for him to be able to, you know, kind of come out and show something yeah, from Joe, this defensive line. Group. I'm glad you brought that up. Can you, if you yeah. don't know if you have the stats in front of you, but TJ Sanders, yeah. he had like six tackles in the first half, two uh, TFLs, yeah, yeah. a sack. I don't know what he finished with, but thank nine you for bringing total, him up. Thank you, Joe. Nine total, eight, eight solo uh, yeah. sacks as well for TJ. He was an absolute beast in the middle. Yeah, he's a menace. And they need to be consistent. We mentioned, you know, look, there's certain – and this is the issue too. I saw someone bring this up. When you play younger players, we talk about this more so with the offensive line because that's what Dal Loggins mentioned earlier in the week. When you have younger players, I mean, you're going to live with some of the mistakes. Stone Blanton is still a younger player. And the reason why I'm harder on him is just because that kid, in my opinion, he's going to be great. He's going to be special. How many times have we seen this with different players, especially at South Carolina over the last couple of years? I mean, you look back to last year, Xavier Leggett, there were people ready to just freaking say, hey, get off the team. You can't catch. 17 can't catch. 17 can't catch. He had the two drops that led to interceptions. I think it was either Charlotte, and it was the Charlotte game or the SC State game. And then what happens? He has a big kickoff return against Texas A&M. He finished the year strong. And he started the year off as one of the best receivers in the country. So I say that because this team is so young. Stone, yeah, he had a rough game tonight in some in some regards. There's no question, right? And then you could go look across the board with some of the veteran guys too. But I bring that up because I saw Stone's name in particular. 
that's what happens when you go young. You can't just go young at every position. And I know not everyone's saying that, but that is the reality. And especially when you're playing inside of Georgia. I mean, for crying out loud, they're the two-time defending national champs. Kirby Smart, he challenged the fan base to come out. I think we all agree that that was a little bit of a stretch on Tonka's comments at SEC Media Days. Uh, more than a stretch, stretch and a half, yeah. right? Pulled something. We talked but about that on Tuesday, really. They responded. They came out here. They made things difficult. There were a couple full starts. You mentioned the one, the one by Nick Argiulo. It's a different environment. For a lot of these players, it's their first time playing in an environment like that. So it comes with the growing pains. I'm not saying like, okay, yeah, there's two true freshmen on the offensive line. It's all right if they give up a couple sacks. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But it comes with the territory, unfortunately, and it will happen over time as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, I mean, like I said, I, I think there's a lot of areas where you can hold your head high if you're South Carolina. You just went toe-to-toe with by far the best team in the country on paper, um, the defending national – three-time defending national champion, Jordan Bulldogs. So, I, I think, you know – Obviously, it didn't go your way in the second half, and there's a lot of adjustments to be made, but that is a really good game against a really good football team. You fought as hard as you could, and you just you left a little bit out there, and you take that yeah. into next week because you have better teams on this schedule. You have really good teams yet to play on the schedule, so you take the lessons from this game and you learn. right? I think having a close game and being able to fight like you did in this game will go a long way down towards the end of the season. Like if they they gotten blown out in this game, it'd be a different story. But I think they can take a lot from this game. And one thing, most importantly of that being confidence. I mean, you hung with them, the best of the best. And you gave them your best shot and didn't didn't come out. And that happens sometimes. That's football. Yeah. No, 100%. You know, you're right. Mike, I know as Gamecock fans, we always say the time's coming. These guys – but you're right. We're in year three of Beamer's people or Beamer's players. We're going to continually get better. I think what we're seeing every year is where we used to play these Georgia teams two years ago, we used to get blown out. It wasn't even a close game. You know, we're in the Muschamp era. These games, we could almost chalk them up as losses every single time. And so now we're actually being able to compete against these teams. And I think that's a promising sign that we are de- so slowly developing into the team that is going to be able to be a top 25 year in, year out, and compete and win these games. But, you know, I don't want to say that, oh, yeah, we're years away and it's not going to happen <laughs> now because it is happening. We're seeing now with the Spencer, with QB as, um, with Spencer as the QB and the receivers we have, we're going to win. I, I genuinely think we're going to have a lot of games that we're going to win this season and we're going to yeah. finalize. Because if you think about it last year too, we didn't start out great, but yet we found our way as the season continually progressed. And I think that's going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying that's happening – but you're seeing early on this team's connecting better early on rather than finding other ways later on in the year. And so now we're going into the long stretch of SEC play, and we have a lot of these games that we can win if we play well. And I think if we play – heck, if we play half as well – if we play as well as we did today, we're going to win a lot of these games. Again, if you're just joining us, South Carolina falls on the road to the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, 24 to 14, a game in which the Gamecocks led 14 to three at the half. But unfortunately, in the second half, after putting up 180 yards in the first half of offense, Gamecocks, it wasn't until probably midway through the fourth quarter that they were really able to start getting some type of offense going. And at that point, yeah, Georgia probably played a little bit more prevent defense, right? Drop back a little bit, not as, not as uh, aggressive as they were to start. The second half um, probably had about less than 50 yards of total offense in the second half until midway through the fourth. But if you're just joining us right now, the big news outside of the game itself is after the game, 
Shane Beamer shared that Gamecocks wide receiver Juice Wells, who left the game early with a left foot injury, scored a touchdown, had about 30-plus yards receptions, 30-plus uh, yard, 30 yards receiving yards and two receptions in that touchdown on the first drive of the game. Uh, this is what Beamer had to say about 30 minutes ago. He said Juice Wells will see a specialist on Tuesday and will have a progno- uh, prognosis after that. They don't believe it can be season en- ending and that Wells will be able to potentially return this season. So that is the hope. I know there's some people out there saying, man, well, you know, Beamer has said this, Beamer has said that. Two things. We've said this before. It's not even just about Juice. and It's not even just about Beamer. It's college football coaches as a whole. This isn't the NFL. They don't need to share the injuries. They don't have to. There's no NFLPA, right? There's not a college, the equivalent of that, where you have to share what the injuries are. I feel like he gives us. I mean, obviously, we'd love to absolutely know everything, um, but at the same time, too, Juice, as I shared before in pregame, right in this end zone, Juice came over to me and he told me, he "said Mike, I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling really good." And he looked like that. He looked like the the Juice of old on that first drive, but unfortunately. After scoring that touchdown, something happened with that foot, and that's what led to him being carted off. Uh, There was actually a photo that our photographer took. I'm seeing if I can just pull it up here to share with everybody. Share the photo with you guys. This was actually a photo from our photographer, Chris Gillespie, moments after Jews suffered that injury. And this is what it looked like on the sideline. So that is what Juice looked like immediately after uh, getting carted off or um, right before, excuse me, getting carted off, but being helped to take that weight off that left foot. And he came back out again. Um, He was in that far end zone towards that blue sign. If you can see in the far back, it appeared that it was family members or friends greeting him. Kind of hopped off the golf cart, kind of hopped on over to him on that uh, other foot on that right foot, keeping that weight off that left. And as you heard from Shane Beamer during the in-game interview, but also, as we just shared what he said post-game, they are remaining optimistic that Juice will be able to return this season. They'll get a a prognosis on uh, Tuesday. So we'll have to wait and see as he sees the specialists. Um, Mike, defensive line. okay, Defensive line, front seven as a whole. We mentioned how T.J. Sanders had a phenomenal game. Yeah. Um, I thought Debo Williams, you know, there were times, I mean, look, in a game like this, no one played perfect. No one played perfect. But I thought there were a lot of things that Debo Williams did well, too. Um, Where do you go heading into this Mississippi State game so you can tighten some things up defensively? What do you want to see as they get ready to play at Williams-Brice next Saturday? Well, I think they need to continue dialing up the blitz packages they had against Georgia in the first half. You know, we were getting to Carson Beck, and we were creating a lot of pressure, and he wasn't able to get the ball out. And I think that's something we need to continue to do. The other thing is, you know, they just ran the ball against us. We're going to have to find ways to either get our safeties back involved or get our linebackers or the, in, right, in the correct positions so they can stop the run. Because right now, if we're just not very effective at run stop. And if we can't stop the run, I think a lot of offenses are going to be effective against us in scoring. And so we're going to have to find ways to either get new linebackers in or find ways to find be get these linebackers to be effective in the run blocking, whether that's bringing Nicky Minwari and the other safeties up. Because I think we saw that sometimes in the, in the North Carolina game in the first half where those guys were playing so high up, they were very engaged in the run game. And it, it, it showed in the first half against them. But 
I don't think I saw that this much today against Georgia. And so maybe we have to bring that back because we can't continually allow these teams to just rush for almost 200 yards against us. Yeah, I'm going to pull up the stats here so people can see exactly what you're talking about, Mike. Um, look, I, I felt like what South Carolina was doing in that first half, they were doing a good job of being just stingy more than anything. There were certainly there were some times, and we saw it more as the game went on, that they struggled to be able to get off the field on third downs, whether it be third and five, I mean, third and two, and not being able to get those stops. And it wasn't even just it was third and two and George is deciding to run because, again, as we talked about this before, with Mike Bobo calling the plays, there yeah. were times where it was third and two, third and one, and for whatever reason, they were just throwing it. And I don't know if it was something that they saw from a matchup standpoint. I mean, in the second half, there were a couple deep balls that they were able to hit. They got Brock Bowers involved more, it felt like, in the second half. Yeah, in the first half, they really didn't get him going. Um, and, you know, as I look at the stat sheet, and I'll pull it up here so everyone can see, there were some things that confused me as far as what what Georgia was trying to do from an offensive standpoint. And you can see it right here. Uh, as I take a look at it, Rattler, I mean, totally night and day, first half and second half. But as you mentioned, a lot of that has to do with not just the offensive line and what Georgia did defensively as they changed things up, sending more pressure. Yeah. But in addition to that, we also saw Georgia putting the clamps on South Carolina's wide receivers and USC wideouts just not being able to create the separation that they needed. Um, but, I mean, Beck, I mean, he threw the ball 35 times. I was a little surprised by that. I was a little surprised by that just based on the success I felt like Georgia was having on the ground. But at the end of the day, it didn't make a difference because Georgia went back to running the football in the second half and yeah. South Carolina just didn't have an answer for it, unfortunately. I did want to talk about this question real quick before. Um, I was curious about this as well because on TV it looked like the weather was pretty bad. How, did it play a factor? Like, what was it making a difference in that second half? I felt like there were a couple throws for Rattler that you could see that sailed a little bit higher. Yeah, uh, Mike yeah. can speak upon that. I mean, it's so easy we could be like, "Oh, wet ball." You know, what does that really do to a quarterback? But I'd rather have Mike tell us, right? Um, because I don't think it's just as simple as, oh, yeah, wet ball and this or that, Like, but what it can actually do. There was a, a steady um, steady pace of rain. It wasn't coming down super hard, but it wasn't misting. And I felt like in the second half we saw with, with Spencer, there was a couple passes that sailed high. I think there was one throw in the first half that I can remember that got away from him, uh, and probably the rain had something to do with that, that sailed a little bit high, and that was probably – you know, outside of the interceptions, which, as we mentioned before, at that point, you're just trying to give yourself an opportunity to come back and stay in the game. At that point, though, that was probably the worst throw we've seen Rattler make um, all season. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it played a factor. But at the same time, too, George is dealing with it as well. Right. I mean, like the old saying, like, you know, well, they're playing on the same field that you're playing on. You know, if you're slipping, they're slipping. I mean, it's they're dealing with the same conditions. But I felt like overall, Spencer was able to handle that for the most part. It wasn't something that I thought um, got in his head or, you know, threw him off and he was just a totally different Spencer. But Mike, can you talk about, even though you had one of the, probably the better performances in that friggin' monsoon game against Missouri a couple of years ago, made it look easy. What does, you know, a wet ball, even if the rain's not coming down super hard, what can that do to a quarterback? Yeah. So you're right. Like, 
the ball can get away from you a couple of times. You can slip out and come high, or you can slip out and it, it, you leave it low. And that stuff's going to happen. It's natural. I think that you saw that, like you said, I'm reiterating exactly what you said. We saw that a couple of times with Spencer in the second half and maybe a couple of times in the first half where the ball just got away from him. And it was, oh, that's not a normal Spencer throw. That's typical. We're going to see that. But I think the thing that... And I agree with Alexander as well. I mean, yeah, there was no was question. There were a couple of drops as well. It wasn't it just Spencer's throws. Agreed. This yeah. scar, after you're done, I got follow-up. Gotcha. Go ahead. I think another thing about the weather, I saw a comment, I think the one you brought up, Joe, was saying, how much does it affect? Well, it affects it a lot. It affects the game a lot if you can't run the ball. Because yep. now you have yep. to rely on the yep. pass game. Yep. Yep. And the pass game is way more difficult. Receivers are going to drop balls more. It's more difficult on the QB to throw a wet ball. And I think we saw that where Georgia could just rely on the run game along with the, you know, along with Carson Beck throwing it, but they had a balance and we couldn't stop it. Where Georgia in the second half, when it was, con- yeah, you know, as Mike was saying, it was consistently coming down. Well, what are we going to do if we can't run it? Well, we have to throw it. And I don't even think, I think we just completely abandoned the run game. I don't, I mean, how many attempts yeah. did we have overall? Well, I'll, pull it, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up right here. Here you go again, just looking at it. I mean, South Carolina, they rushed for. Shoot, 15, including, 53, Spencer. including Spencer. Yeah, eight attempts, eight. Yeah, because some of that includes the sacks, and not to say that he didn't yes. give you something with his legs, because he certainly did. But yeah, yeah, if you exclude Spencer, you do the math out there real quick. I mean, that's what is it? Eighteen eight. yards? Eighteen <laughs> yards. We completely abandoned. Eighteen yards. Eighteen yards on eight carries, and maybe Leggett was a screen pass. So what? Seven for nineteen. That's just. That's not going to win games against good teams, no. especially in the rain. We got to get better about that. Yeah. Um, did Joe have something to say or, or you me to continue? Well, he's taking a call real quick, so we'll got just it, wait. It. But yeah, so sure I'll, I'll continue good. talking about the run, though. But like, so if we're not going to run the ball well, especially in the rain, we're going to have to find ways to get creative because I think we, what I noticed too, and I don't understand a lot of this second half. It seemed like we were doing a long, a lot of long developing throws. There was one fourth down I think we had. It was fourth and 15 or fourth and 20. And Spencer just missed. I think it was Omega Blake on a reroute to the left. He was going right towards the, um, the pylon. I think it was on fourth and 15. And we missed it. But the question is, we were on, I think we're on our 40-yard line. If you knew we were going to go forward on fourth down, why are we doing these long plays? Why are we not doing shorter plays to set up a fourth down or get more yards to make it easier on Spencer. I, I felt like we just were trying to do too many big shots, and I felt like we thought we needed to get big shots to have a chance against Georgia, and I don't like that we got away from that in the second half. Just looking at the defensive stats before we toss it over to Joe, Debo Williams leads the team in tackles tonight, 11 total tackles. He also had a tackle and a half for a TFL, um, and then 10 tackles tonight by Nick Eamon Worry. And, you know, there were some plays where he certainly came up to – to fill gaps, but at the same time, too, some of those some of those plays also were because they got to that third level um, in South Carolina's defense. Who we got, Joe? We got Black Magic eighty four on the line. Black Magic, go ahead, big dog. I'm so proud of these guys, man. They were hitting the whole game. Hey, we got a bright future ahead of us in Columbia. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks calling in. Joe, what's that? You, you said you had you had a question for uh, Scar. Yeah. So, 
I love Scar's point on abandoning the run game. I think, you know, it was rainy. I think you need to at least try to run the ball a little bit more. And we'll get to that in the walkthrough tomorrow, previewing that a little bit. But um, we'll get to more about that. But, Scar, I did have another question. Somebody brought up the drops late in the game. How, like, I, obviously that's on the weather a little bit. But as quarterback, like, you know those receivers are taking that a little personally. Like, how are you coaching your guys to go – go next play on that because it is i mean it's a crucial drop and a, and a tough spot but it is rain and you know you have the, the atmosphere and everything around you how do you talk to your receivers in that situation yeah i mean you just tell them like hey listen okay it happens we're all gonna make a mistake in the game you gotta continue like these are important plays and you're gonna have another important play but are you gonna let the previous one affect you like we we are relying on you as an individual we need you out there to make these plays but another thing i noticed and it's, mike tell me if i'm wrong but did you see a lot of the receivers keeping their gloves on in the rain? I saw some take them off, but I did see a good bit still keep their gloves on, yeah. which to me, and you know, back in the day, you know, not to like sound like we're old here, but like back in the day, like that was a thing. Like if it started raining even just a little bit and you felt like it was going to impact you, especially on a day like this, yeah. it wasn't frigging cold. All right. I mean, it's, it's not humid. It's in the seventies right now. It's 66, but for most of the game, it was low seventies. It was perfect weather for football. It's not cold at all. It's not like we're playing in 30-degree weather or 40-degree weather where some guys will say, I want to leave my gloves on. So I bring that up, though, because, yeah, I was kind of shocked that so many guys left their gloves on. Um, yeah. and, you know, that played obviously a role as well. I was thinking about that. And it comes to the drops. Like when you have yeah. your gloves on in the rain, you know, as, as great as technology is with the gloves, you're probably going to drop more balls. Like I noticed whenever we had our coaches – I don't even think they allowed our receivers to have um, gloves on when it was raining outside because it's just easier. Your hands naturally prune. And the reason yep. they prune is so you can catch things in the rain. And the gloves aren't always the most effective things in the rain. So I think – I'm not saying we need to do this now, but I'm saying like I think we saw some drops because people yep. weren't keeping their gloves off or taking their gloves off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, South Carolina is going to have a huge opportunity to be able to get back to 500 next week. Uh I don't want to necessarily compare where this Gamecock team is from a year ago, but they started off one and two as well, right? And yeah. if you remember the mood, you remember the mood, Mike. I mean, we did this post-game show. I don't know if Joe was on that day, but we did this post-game show after just an absolute beatdown, beatdown by Georgia. And I just remember, oh, yeah. I remember, Mike, you know, you were, you were brutally honest when it came to the issues with the offense. Yep. And what has changed in a year? Well, there's a new offensive coordinator here. I thought there was a lot of things that Dal Loggins did in the first half, and you could tell they were working. Um, South Carolina, you know, like the old saying goes by Mike Tyson, everyone has a game plan so you get punched in the face. They got punched in the face in the second half. Um, and I'm sure not being in that post-game press conference with Shane Beamer, but I'm sure him and you know the other coaches on this staff, they'll take a lot of blame for it tonight. But, yeah, they didn't make the type of adjustments that they needed to in the second half. Give Georgia credit. Will Georgia be the number one ranked team in the land come Monday? Probably not. Um, but at the same time, too, let's not get this twisted. Just because they might not be the number one ranked team, or let's say they drop. I mean, I can't see them falling out of the top five, but let's say it happens. They're still a very good team. You know, they're still a very good team. And I'm not saying every game needs to be a barometer game. However, you're one and two. You're one and two. Remember where you were a year ago. Remember where you were a year ago. Yeah. You were one and two. And you got your teeth kicked in by Georgia. And you were able to finish the season off on a high note. So plenty of football left. I think people get that. 
I'm sorry, boss. Um, and I'll let I'll let Joe take care of that, and then we'll head on back over to the phone lines. But it's not to tell people like you know you should accept losing or anything like that. It's just to show like, hey, look, yeah, things were really bad a year ago, and they bounced back. They learned from it. And I feel like, despite the fact that they weren't that sharp in the second half, in many areas, they showed you what they could do. Yeah. And hopefully they'll be able to clean some things up. They have a big opportunity to send a statement on Saturday when they take on Mississippi State. What we got, Joe? We got Black Magic eighty four on again. Go on. He's back. He's back. Yes, yes, sir. We got you. Okay. You can't be proud of these boys tonight. You got to be proud of them, man. They was kidding. Steve-O was talking to people's lockdowns. Y'all can't tell me what. Who's there? Who am I talking to? You got to intern Joe, boss. Who am I talking to? Connection on that one. Yeah, well, uh, so, but, but Mike, I say that because it's not to be out here and be like, hey, you should feel good about a loss tonight. No one's saying that, but it's just to show you where this team was a year ago and everyone was ready to be like, oh man, you know, the doom and gloom, all that kind of stuff, right? And they were able to respond back. Three games into the year, we're still talking about a lot of the same things that we were talking about, even going back to the offseason, right? Some questions at offensive line some questions about the running back room, some questions on the defensive line, but the front as a whole, there's still some question marks. Yeah. And I think that's the frustrating part for probably a good portion of this fan base because, again, we talked about it, the offensive line, you can't predict that your left tackle is going to go down in the spring game. You can't predict that your starting right tackle is going to go down two series in week one against North Carolina. And you have two true freshmen who have proven, and they're going to have their growing pains, but they've proven that they can at least play at this level. What can you say to this fan base? And it's not even about just trying to make them feel good, but what can you say about some of those concerns that they had going into the season that are still probably concerns three weeks into the year? Yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's point out the running back room right now. There's not much we can do at this point in time except potentially get more creative in the running back or for the run game is whether that's going to be an option style with a pulling Spencer out and putting DK back there and doing something like that, or putting Spencer out wide and doing a you know triple option. However, they're going to, the coaches are going to get creative with finding ways to be effective in the run game. That's on them for this season. But, you know, it, it tells Beamer going forward, we need to find a running back. We need to find some other defensive alignment. We need to continually find these guys who are going to come in in the weak spots that we're at and help us develop. It also, we can't get, you know, there's some young guys. Not everyone's going to come in freshman, sophomore year and be an all-star, all-American guy who's going to play for our team immediately. These guys take time to develop a lot of times. I think we've seen too many young guys, freshmen, come in randomly throughout the nation at different teams and excel and expect that from every freshman. That's not the case. These guys are going to take two, three, four seasons before they really bloom into who they are. So once they get there, but I think we're seeing signs of them starting to bloom. But putting that aside, Beamer and his staff now from this season are going to see where our growing pains are. They're going to see where we're weak, and they're going to try and benefit, or they're going to try and, you know, recruit to fix those problems. But we also potentially have guys who are on our team right now but just aren't ready right now. They may need another year of development before they're those guys who are going to be really good playmakers for us. What you got, Joe? Yeah. Oh, nothing. I was I was going to say, bring up this comment. It was a good comment from Alexander. Again, Scar, how would you 
Mike too as well. How would you recommend manufacturing some run yardage? I mean, I think I've said it once already on this podcast or on this show is that we got to probably try and get Mario Mario out there and see what he can do. I mean, at this point, our run game is almost non-existent. So anything's going to potentially benefit us. So why not get him out there and see if he's going to provide a spark to this offense? Another thing is, like I just said, if we do like a triple option or get more involved with creating, you know, you want to mess with linebackers' eyes. And if that's moving a lot of – doing a lot of motions, moving people around and getting ways to get like the triple option to get the ball into some of our athletes' hands, then we have to do it, whether that's our receivers or whether that's our running back. But we need to find ways to utilize the run game and be more creative with it because as it stands, we can't just we can't just run down somebody's throat and expect to get a bunch of yards. So far, that's not working, and I don't think it's going to work unless we somehow figure things out in the next couple of weeks. I do want to bring this up because Carolina Titan, and I appreciate you weighing in tonight with us for with multiple comments. But I've said this before, and I'm not saying that this justifies the situation that South Carolina is currently in with their running back room. The Carolina Titan says it's sad to say, but I think Hardesty needs to go. No reason for our running back room to be in the state it's in right now. Here's what people forget, and I've been mentioning this multiple times, and I'm not picking on you, Carolina Titan. I'm glad you brought this up because I know if you're saying it, you're certainly not the only person that feels that way. Lavasia Carroll was going to be in that running back mix this year. And talking about some of these injuries that you just can't predict, he had to retire. He had to retire because of an injury, because of a medical condition, whatever it was. It was, it was um, undisclosed in the spring. But I share that because it's easy to point, and we and I get it. I'm not saying that, you know, where this running back room is is, is perfect. And even if, um, if Lavoisier Carroll was in that running back room, it solves everything. But they were assuming they were going to have him. And obviously, as we know, he played at Georgia as a defensive back. But he came on in here, and he was a highly touted running back coming out of high school. And there was a lot of um, a lot of expectations with that young man, high expectations at that. So it's disappointing that things didn't work out for him here. Um, but I think, too, look, if Daniel Hill comes here, and I think some people instantly want to say, hey, you know, Hill – it's not done. It's not done yet. And if Hill comes here, now you have you have Hill. You have Matthew Fuller, who got a bump up by on three to being a four-star, who, oh, by the way, plays for Connor Shaw's brother out in Georgia. And I can promise you, Connor's brother is not just feeding Beamer, Hardesty. They're not feeding them BS. They're going to let them know what, this is exactly what this young man's all about. Yeah, And on top of that, you obviously have a very talented four-star running back here in DJ Braswell. So I wanted to bring that up, but Mike, to piggyback off what you said, yes. I want to see more Mario Anderson, um, and he has experience now. I mean, that was that was the knock that we gave him for the first couple of weeks, right? Going into that first game, going up against a Power 5 team. Then even week two, okay, he got to see a little bit more time, but it was Furman. Tonight, even though it was two carries, he had an opportunity to play in front of an absolute loud house i mean it was it was insane especially when georgia got things going yeah. so i bring that up because he has more experience now 
And as he mentioned earlier in the week, he's growing from a mental standpoint. His mental, his mentality is just different because he's viewing things different. He realizes this isn't D2. I have to do things a little bit differently. So I would feel better. And like I've said about him, like I've said about some other players, it all comes down to what are they doing throughout the week? Are they having a good week of practice? Because as cliche and as coach talk as that is, Shane has made that clear since he got here. If you have a crap week of practice, I'm not putting you in. I'm yeah. not putting you in. And I'm not saying Mario's having bad practices, but if DK's having a better practice, if DK or whatever the case may be, or Mario's just not there on some certain packages that they're trying to do, it also has an impact. And I think some people need to keep that in mind, but I, I think they need to find a way to incorporate them in more. And I hope that experience tonight will hopefully generate more reps for him and more touches moving forward. Yeah, I agree. We we do need to get him out there and see what he can do. Because, you know, yes, while I agree with your statement that and Beamer's belief in if you practice well, you're going to play. If you don't practice well, you're not going to play. I hate to say it, man. Sometimes players are, are game timers. And I agree. I, and I agree with you, Mike. I mean, we all know the, the, those teammates over the years who yeah. they didn't practice well, but when the lights came on, they were ready to go. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, for Mario, because he's only been here for X amount of time, right, yeah. only X amount of weeks because he's a transfer, he's not maybe at that level quite yet where it's like, hey, we can just trust you to go out there. The good thing is now you've had three games, three weeks of in-season practice, getting ready for games, that maybe that changes a little bit. And maybe yeah. they start to trust him a little bit more. Yeah, I mean – Yes, I agree. In game time wise, he has proven where he should be able to get more reps. Um, practice wise, it's hard to say. You know, I've been a part of teams. I've also heard stories about a lot of people or people you game cognition would know about where the backup performed better than the starter in practice, but yet the starter was out there because that person was a gamer. If someone's a gamer, you got to put them out there. And I don't think we know whether right now Mario's a gamer or not, regardless of putting practice aside of how he's performing there. He at least comes out and has excelled in the couple of reps he's gotten, and it's very, very few. So we can't really say whether he's going to be a guy that's really going to help us. But at this point, we don't have a run game, so why not give him the chance? And I think you're right, Michael. I think, or Mike, I think you're right about saying that he has shown himself to be more mature in these games. That on the few reps he has gotten, that our coaches are going to trust him. Hopefully, trust him going forward. All right, boys, before we uh, have our final thoughts, just want to do some ads real quick. We're about to wrap up this program. Again, South Carolina falls to number one ranked Georgia 24 to 14. Gamecocks led 14 to three at the half. But unfortunately, after generating over 100 yard, 180 yards of offense in the first half, they struggled to really do anything until midway through the fourth quarter. And at that point, it was too little, too late. Uh, Joe, as we always do with our ads, tax season, we have uh, – couple more months to go, but if you're trying to get your taxes squared away, taking a look at a Liberty tax right now might not be the worst thing that you can do. You didn't. There we go. All right. So, yeah, we're back. We're good friends over there. Mike was right. Tax season is on its way, as unfortunate as that is. But tax ID is a certain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. 
locally owned and operated staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood open 99 weekdays and 95 on saturdays with multiple service options start through the tax mobile app or through their desktop portal make an appointment or just walk in give a call to upload your tax document and your company your return will be ready to review and sign give them a call at 803-462-5576 once again on your screen 803-462-576 for all of your tax needs Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond. You see the ad right at the top of the screen, like it is for every GC Live show. Right now, if you're trying to buy a home, you understand that trying to find the best rate, trying to find a low rate is not easy to do. But Clint and his team, that's what they do for a living. They get you the best rate. They're on the ground. They got their feet on the ground, and they are trying to find you the best rate so that they can do for you like they did for our very own Wes Mitchell here at Gamecock Central, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. And that's being able to get the best rate so you can buy that home that you and your loved one or friends or whoever have been dreaming of. Give Clint a call at the Movement Mortgage at 803-771-6933. All right, boys. Intern Joe, I'm going to let you lead things off. Just final thoughts on this Saturday night as the Gamecocks now drop to one and two. It could be about tonight. It could be moving forward as they get ready for Mississippi State. The floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess my final thoughts tonight, this post-game show at least, um, I, I think South Carolina battled, right? They, they showed that, again, they, they could go toe-to-toe with the best team on paper, at least, team in the country. And I think Georgia is a top two or three team, maybe even the top team in the country. I don't think we've seen the full extent of, of the Southern Cal or everybody else really up in that top five. Yet, so um, Georgia responded well. They proved why they are a really, 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 really good team. And, so, I mean, South Carolina side, I was really impressed with the fight in the first quarter – or first half, first quarter, even um, the offense looked good, really, really spread the ball. And then in the second half, you just – you lost it. I mean, you stopped running the ball. You abandoned the run game. It was just tough showing offensively. And then defensively, you got away from your principles. You missed a couple tackles, and you got undisciplined in the second half, and that led to the Georgia touchdowns and the Georgia lead. It's, it's, it's a tough game, but I will say this. There are a lot of things you can build on from this game. I think had it been a blowout, there would have been very little you could take from it. This way around, I think there's a lot you can take from it. A lot of young guys that got in and showed that they can play, especially at a very high level in a hostile environment. I was impressed, and I, I, I don't think it's a loss you need to hang your on. We're very, very, very heavy underdogs in this game, and you prove that you, you aren't. You're a, you prove that you are a decent football team and you belong in this league. You belong to, you know, be at least in the conversation with the top of the SEC East, in my opinion. And Spencer, I, I think his stat line kind of continued his form, right? The, the two picks kind of lie a little bit. Like, again, like I said, at the end of the game, they were, they were playing backyard football. But I, I think Spencer looked good continuing his run of form offensive line-wise. Got a couple of things you got to tune up. But Mississippi State next week. It's no pushover, but I think it's a game you can win. We'll see. All right, Mike, what you got? Yeah, I agree with a lot with what Joe said. I mean, Spencer continues to be a blessing for Gamecock football. I mean, the guy is just playing out of his mind. He's He is the reason for most of the times why we are in the games that we're in and why we have a chance to win these games. I hope he continues to stay healthy and plays the way he plays. A couple of positives, I think. I think, one, seeing our offensive line progress – and be able to pick up a lot of the blitzes and just be able to give Spencer a little bit more time. I think it's at least a glimmer of hope that we will continually get better and be able to provide more protection to Spencer as we continually go through these SEC play games, which is great. I really hope we can figure things out. Receivers, I think we have, you know, outside, we have some of the most talented guys out there who can win against the best DBs. So 
I'm not worried about the weapons we have on the outside with being able to throw the ball all day long against any team in the nation. So that's good to know that we have those guys. And we have guys who will step up when somebody gets hurt. we got to figure our run game out. I don't know why we abandoned it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to help Spencer. It's not going to help our offense. It's going to put more pressure on our defense because we may not – we may be – you know, punting more. We may not, we may Quit not be three and outs. Don't yeah. give them any opportunity to be able to catch their breath on the sideline. People don't understand if you're not running the ball, if you're throwing it second and third down and it's second long and third and long, it's tough to convert those plays because defensive coverages change and it's really hard to play, throw the ball against long um, third and long coverages. So we've got to find ways to incorporate a better run game. However, that's going to be defensively. You know, I see, really good things and also some bad things from our DB. Sometimes they play lockdown coverage and we can trust them, but sometimes they give up really easy routes. But I think mm-hmm. consistency is just where they need to get better at. But we've seen where they're, they can be very, very good DBs. Our run defense, if we don't yeah. figure it out, it might be a long season because we can't continually give up 200-yard games because we're not going to always face the best QBs. But if we're facing a good run defense and that's what's keeping another team in against us in a game against us, it's going to put a lot more pressure on our offense to to um, produce points. And we can't just continually live by that kind of standard. We have to get better on the defensive front. Overall, though, there were some promising things. I think there's some growing pain that we can continually go into the next week, coach that up, get better at, and watch film on, and just take it into the, net, the rest of the SEC play, play against teams. I really think the slate from here on out is a toss-up. If we play the way we can play, we can win almost every single game. If we don't, we're going to lose some. But I really think every game going forward is a toss-up for us to, if we play the way we can win. Mike, it doesn't have to be super long, but I saw this pop up from Buddy Johnson and just want your thoughts on it. We've talked about this before with other players, and we'll probably get into it more on GC Live this upcoming week as well as the GC Live afternoon drive show next Thursday. But now that we've reached the quarter mark of the regular season, right? Three games. That's that's a quarter of the season. Yeah. Once we get by next week, then we're at a third. I mean, I'm not trying to make this into a math class, but my point is, is that at some point you have to start looking at the numbers and ask yourself, and we've said this before, is it in the best interest of not only this individual, in this case we're talking about Lenora Sellers, mm-hmm. but also the program we're talking about redshirting because you can play in four games in the regular season. Yeah. Four games. Sometimes it is four. We'll have to see if the NCAA allows you to play in a fifth one for the bowl game. I think that's going to continue to be a trend just because of the portal growth and um, players declaring. But that's a story for a different day. Yeah. But where do you think South Carolina is at with Sellers? Because, again, you have nine games left in the regular season. You can still play him in three and not burn a red shirt year. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of look at it and say, you know what, Rattler's your guy. Sellers, you can put him in packages, but is it worth it? Is it worth burning that redshirt year? All right. So I'll start by saying no. I don't think it's worth burning the redshirt year. We we need him long-term because we don't know how long we're going to have Sellers. And it's tough to come by a generational QB. That being said, do we know if Sellers is a generational QB yet? Hard to say. But – from what I've seen in practices to what I've now seen in the game from a fresh, a true freshman, he's shown the confidence of somebody out there who looks like he's comfortable. looks like he's been there before. You don't see that a lot of times in freshman QBs. The next thing is 
from spring? No, real quick, real quick, real quick, because I think some people are freaking losing their minds here. No one is saying that Sellers is coming in here to replace Rattler. Whoa, whoa, whoa. slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> We're talking about using Sellers for different different packages, and mm -hmm. whether he's in there for one play or he's in there for five plays. If you get into a game, if you get into a game, that counts as one full game, whether it's one play, whether it's 50 plays. So we're not saying that he's going in there to replace Rattler, especially if Rattler is healthy. We're saying using him in packages. So I just want to clarify that because some people are losing their mind. Yeah. No, 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 no. No one is saying, no. so I just want to make sure, okay? That's what we're talking about because a lot of people have asked, like, is it worth it? You think back to the Tim Tebow year, his freshman year on Florida one that they're, uh, I say first national title, but first of those two. Yeah. And he played a big role with that. So that's what we're just yeah. talking about. Just to, just to clarify, but continue, Mike. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Joe, I know you have something to say. Sorry, sorry. to cut Sorry to cut you no. off, but I just no, wanted to make sure we clarify yeah, that. No, no, no. no. I'm no. glad you clarified. But listen, man, I, I – from what Sellers, seeing him develop all the way into where he is at this moment as a QB and on our team, I think Gamecock Nation should be excited about what we're going to have in the future. Obviously, we have to build around him and continually get him the weapons that he's going to need to to bring us to a 10, 11, 12 win, yep. potentially a national championship. But, I mean, you see the arm, the accuracy, the ability to move, the size he's put on. And I think you see also potentially the leadership he's showing inside the organization. When you when you were asked, or I think maybe it was Gamecock Central, they asked a lot of the players coming out of summer ball and summer fall or summer workouts, who was impressed? And I think a lot of people said Nicholas Harbor and Sellers. I think you saw that all over the time, all over the place. They kept some, so I think you see the leadership he's showing within the locker room, however that is. So he's gaining trust of his teammates. He's got the ability, and he's continually growing his game. And I don't think I've – you don't really see a QB get better in his accuracy a lot of times per se, but I think you saw it with him. I mean, from spring to now, the guy has just gotten better. And if he continually progresses the way he's progressing, I think we should be in for something special. That's my take. Well, and I think my colleagues, and I'm kind of – I'm kind of going. I think Joe may have relayed this to me. I think it may have been West uh, that talked was, about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. I was going to say West and Tyler I, on last week. It's it's an interesting topic. That's, I love I, was, I love I love I love those guys. And again, I'm taking Joe's words. So if I'm a little off, yeah. I I think some people. I think they might be included. They're getting a little too excited. And what I mean by that is, you know, he might only be here for three years before the NFL. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa come out. Let's actually see him start a game against yeah. a power five team. Let's actually see him get out there a little bit. And the reason I say that isn't to pick on Wes and Tyler, because those two guys do an incredible job, especially Wes over with us with GC. But I bring I bring I bring that I bring that up. I bring that up because, you know, there's obviously high expectations. Mike, you know, you know as a quarterback. I mean naturally when you're the backup quarterback or a quarterback that comes out of high school and it's this case, he's a local kid, very talented guy. He was able to come to South Carolina after flipping him essentially last minute from Syracuse. And we hear about his arm. We see it in the spring game. We saw what he did against Brooklyn last week. A lot of people are going to get excited about that and rightfully so. But I think the bigger question is you have to look at what this program needs right now and what this program needs in the next couple of years. You have a very talented young quarterback in Dante Reno coming in in January. And Oh, by the way, Reno threw for 398 last night, three touchdowns, no interceptions in his season debut because 
they go a little, they start a little bit later. And he had some beautiful throws, 45 yards on the run, just making some tough throws. So I say that because you're going to bring Reno in there. Sellers already has the experience. They're going to really push each other. I still think that Doty, and some people might roll their eyes at me, but I still think that Doty, at least if you ask me as of today, as of September 16th, I still think Doty's going to get the first shot at being the starting quarterback next year, and then we'll see how things play out. But I'm saying all that because I think in the best interest of the team, maybe you fool around with some things next week with Mississippi State, and then you ask yourself then, it's like, okay, that's two games. Is it worth it, right? Because we can sit here and be like, well, you know, third and two, you know, we can put him out there. He's really good in those situations. How many as a plane just flies overhead? How many of those situations actually occur in a game where it's third and two, third and one? I mean, it seems like it occurs a lot, but then you got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Plus, on top of that, too, if it is third and two or whatever, you're putting sellers in there, you're taking off one of the better quarterbacks in the country. So that's why I say with all that. Um, and Timmy says, if Doty's the quarterback next year, he's going to get his opportunity. He's going to get his opportunity. No one's saying that Doty will be or won't be. All I'm saying is he's been here. He's still your number two quarterback. He's going to get his shot. As If you ask me right now, there's still he's the number two quarterback right now. But I'm not saying that that will be what it will be. He'll get the first shot. And if people don't agree with me on that, Mike, I mean, am I wrong? I, I, I mean – I think he's gonna get his. I think he's gonna get the first shot. I'm not saying he will be the week one starter next year, but I think he's gonna get the first shot. That's that's what I'm saying with that. I think people that's that don't. It's next year. It's next yeah. year. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll worry about we'll worry about that later. But some people they live in La La, Let's La Land. Let's enjoy Spencer while we have him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some, people exactly. live, some people. Some people live in La La Land. <laughs> All right. So hey guys, we appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. We're gonna wrap things up. If you missed any of our program, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform. For intern Joe and former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnecchia, I'm Mike Yuva, reporting live from Athens, Georgia. Be safe tonight, and we will see you on Sunday night with a walkthrough with intern Joe.